Numerous calls to impeach Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh after the New York Times uncovered another allegation from about 30 or so years ago with no corroboration that didn't actually come from any victim at all. And apparently the victim denies even remembering. That's where we're at. It's, it's rather shocking, to say the least. Look, maybe something like this happened. But how many of the accusations made, made against Brett Kavanaugh back in a year ago turned out to be false or recanted or the stories changed? How is this grounds for impeachment? Well, they're now claiming that Kavanaugh lied under oath because new allegations surfaced. The whole thing to me seems completely and utterly absurd. So here's what we'll do. Let's go through the story and let me just give you the breakdown as to what's happening. But I want to stress along with these new allegations of misconduct against Brett Kavanaugh from freshman year of college, we have this tweet from Molly Hemingway, who said in the book, they say the woman named as being the victim apparently doesn't have any memory of the incident. And I also want to stress, where is this all coming from? Apparently, it's coming from a new book that's being sold. Yes, that's right. The New York Times has a few people who are apparently going to be selling a book and in it, juicy, juicy drama. Perhaps a lot of the news we hear about what's going on in politics is just meant to drive book sales to benefit people personally, regardless of the damage they cause in our, in our country and our culture. Well, let's start with the Huffington Post and figure out why they want Kavanaugh impeached. And, and I've got a bunch of tweets pulled up. Donald Trump has responded saying that the DOJ should get involved. Before we get started, head over to timcast.com slash donate if you would like to support my work. There's a PayPal option, a crypto option, a physical option. But of course, the best thing you can do is just share this video. This is a very contentious subject of which you can notice if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook that I've censored many words. That's right. YouTube deranks independent political commentary for talking about the top trend in the world. I kid you not. There's nothing I can do about it. If YouTube doesn't want to recommend my content because I'm talking about regular politics like everybody else, so be it. That's why I ask you to share this video because they can't censor sharing. If they want to, you know, derank my video, fine. If you guys like it, please share. Let's read. Huffington Post says Democratic presidential contender Julian Castro and some former U.S. attorneys called for a new investigation into Brett Kavanaugh and the past FBI probe into his behavior as another accusation of misconduct against the Supreme Court Associate Justice surfaced. A, a, a claim, in my opinion, that doesn't even make sense. Let me, let me just, okay, let's read it. Classmate Max Steer told two New York Times reporters that he saw Kavanaugh with his pants down at a drunken Yale University party where his friends pushed Kavanaugh's privates into the hands of a female student. I'm not quite sure how that works. And I mean this sincerely. Can you explain to me how you push someone's privates into the hands of a female? I, I can't figure out that logistically. The report was similar to an allegation lodged against Kavanaugh last year by a former classmate, Deborah Ramirez. Steer informed senators and the FBI of the incident during Kavanaugh's confirmation hearing, but it was never investigated according to the Times. There's one simple explanation as to why it wasn't investigated. How do you investigate 30-year-old allegations where half the people can't remember it, and the woman in this story now apparently has no memory of it even happening. What are they going to investigate? Some guy told us this. The woman said she has no idea, can't remember anything like that. Case closed. It seems like everything is breaking down. I've said it a million times, but look, social institutions must operate on trust, and we don't have that anymore. 
I don't trust Kamala Harris when she comes out and says that Brett Kavanaugh lied under oath and he should be impeached. He must be impeached. We have numerous people saying, can you impeach a Supreme Court justice? Yes. Will they? No, we must impeach. You have this David Rothkopf. As with Trump, impeachment of Kavanaugh should not be considered merely an option. It is a moral obligation. I'm not going to defend what Mitch McConnell did with Obama's appointee before Trump got elected. That's political posturing too. But it's not the same as levying false accusations against somebody. I don't even, let's not even call them false. Let's just say 30-year-old uncorroborated allegations. It's nearly a year later, and I'm making another video about this. They're rehashing old stories that no one cares about. Apparently, someone's trying to sell a book, and that now is being used as grounds for impeachment. This person, award-winning photographer, can you impeach a Supreme Court judge asking for Brett Kavanaugh and a beer emoji? And that's where we're at. And now we have this ex-prosecutor demands congressional investigation after a latest report on the FBI and Brett Kavanaugh. Well, apparently it, it all comes down to selling a book, a book that Molly, Molly Hemingway has read. She tweets the book notes quietly that the woman Max Steer named as having been supposedly victimized by Kavanaugh and friends denies any memory of the alleged event. Seems, I don't know, significant. It does. What's the point of this? It all, it's, it's, it's just a rehashed story, but it's being used as a political weapon. Brett Kavanaugh will never live this down. So because of this, actually, we can see Donald Trump stepping into the fray. So here's what I want to do. Let's read a bit about what Donald Trump has to say. And then I want to go through a past story about Deborah Ramirez and kind of break this down. So Trump tweets, now the radical left Democrats and their partner, the lamestream media, are after Brett Kavanaugh again, talking loudly of their favorite word, impeachment. He is an innocent man who has been treated horribly. Such lies about him, they want to scare him into turning liberal. And then something interesting happened. See, Donald Trump then tweeted, Brett Kavanaugh should start suing people for libel, or the Justice Department should come to his rescue. The lies being told about him are unbelievable. False accusations without recrimination? When does it stop? They are trying to influence his opinions. Can't let that happen. Now, before I talk into the weirdness that is surrounding this, I want to point out there's something incredible that happens when a third party makes an accusation, when the victim can't remember it, and they use that as evidence to try and impeach a Supreme Court justice. It means that things that wouldn't be admissible in court are being used as condemnations definitively. But what's really interesting about all of this, back when Deborah Ramirez made the allegation against Brett Kavanaugh, it was ridiculous and it didn't make sense. She barely remembered it, apparently had to confer with, De- with, with her lawyer for six days before finally deciding she thinks she remembers it actually happened. That story, which was shaky and uncorroborated, has now become a fact because the story gets repeated so often, people don't look into the history of how the story was presented, and now they just remember that's what happened. Before I show this, I, w- I, w- I want to show this, right? This is the top 10 serious problems with new accusations against Kavanaugh. Before I do, however, I, I, I have no idea why. This is the news. This is the news world we live in. Trump misspells libel in furious outburst over new Brett Kavanaugh assault allegation. There you go. Breaking news. I kid you not. They, they post this as a breaking news story. Trump said liable instead of libel. No matter what Trump does or says, it is a breaking news story. And now you and, and, this, and this is a good example of the political landscape and the media landscape. The media wants juice. They want to go nuts. And you end up with someone like Brett Kavanaugh, according to Time magazine, who has sided with uh, the liberal side of the court, 
almost as often as the conservative side of the court, but leaning towards the conservative side. He's rather moderate in his rulings. Although he has helped conservatives, that's to be expected. He was appointed by Trump, but he's not some fringe far-right extremist. That's what they want to paint him as. Now, because I, I, here's what I believe. Trump is going to win 2020. Ruth Bader Ginsburg will be replaced and potentially even Stephen Breyer. That means Trump might appoint two more justices. What do you do? If you can't win, if you've lost the fight, if your party is fractured, impeach. And they will grasp at whatever straws are floating above them to try and stay afloat, even if it means 30-year-old uncorroborated third-party allegations. Or they'll attack the president for, for tweeting the wrong word. And then Trump deletes it and reposts it. And there it is. Apparently, it was up for like an hour. Here's what I want to do. It's very important when looking at this allegation, which I will stress comes from a third party, the, the alleged victim doesn't remember it. And for some reason, it's being treated as, as, you know, a legitimate claim. I want to go back to the claims from Deborah Ramirez and the other claims and talk about why they are not credible. People are now looking back a year later and they're forgetting everything that was wrong with these stories. Here's a story from the Daily Wire, September 24th, 2018. It's, it's a year ago. It's a year later. And here we are again. They want to impeach. They want to, they want to impeach from the Daily Wire. The New Yorker published new accusations on Sunday from a second woman who alleges that Brett Kavanaugh acted inappropriately towards her at a party during their college years. The reason Deborah Ramirez is so significant is because she claimed that apparently she uh, she alleges that while she was at a Yale party, intoxicated to the point that she was on the ground in a foggy state, slurring her words, Kavanaugh pulled his pants down and exposed himself to her. That's the story that Max Steer is telling. However, the woman he's claiming was involved doesn't remember it. This is important for one reason. Deborah Ramirez doesn't remember if Kavanaugh was the person who did this. Why should we believe Max Steer if the woman doesn't remember? And if, if uh, according to Deborah Ramirez, it may not even been Kavanaugh. You see how this is working? Maybe it happened. Maybe it wasn't Kavanaugh. And that's it. And the woman they're claiming doesn't remember it. It might have been Ramirez. It's, a, it's the same story. But let's look at why the story, you know, how, how it breaks down first. The New Yorker could not find a single witness who could put Kavanaugh at the alleged party. Buried more than 1,000 words into the report, Ronan Farrow and Jane Meyer wrote, the New Yorker has not confirmed with other eyewitnesses that Kavanaugh was present at the party. The magazine contacted several dozen classmates of Ramirez and Kavanaugh regarding the incident. Many did not respond to interview requests. Others declined to comment or said they did not attend or remember the party. No corroboration. Two, the New York Times could not find a single person who could corroborate Ramirez's claims. A third party news agency, the New York Times, couldn't confirm it. The Times has interviewed several dozen people over the past week in an attempt to corroborate her story and could find no one with firsthand knowledge. The man accused of egging on Kavanaugh denied Ramirez's allegation and vouched for Kavanaugh. A third person that Ramirez claims at the party says she was not there. Five, Ramirez contacted her former classmates asking about the incident and admitted she was not sure that Kavanaugh was the person who exposed himself. A woman who claims she was best friends with Ramirez says Ramirez never mentioned the story. Seven, Ramirez, just like Blasey Ford, is a registered Democrat and is dedicated to leftist causes. Eight, Ramirez wasn't even sure her memory was correct until she spent six days going over it with her Democrat lawyer. Nine, Ramirez admits there are holes in her memory due to how much she drank at the party. And 10, people who knew Ramirez after her time at Yale say they should uh, say that she never once mentioned the incident. And here we are. Here we are now with a story that was not corroborated in the first place. Accuser told Ronan Farrow she wasn't sure of the story. 
The same story now is being rehashed. I kid you not. It is, the, it is basically the same story. Max Steer is claiming that basically the same thing happened. But I, but, I, but I ask you again, how does one push privates into the hands of a female? Did they like push his butt and he like lunged forward and then she put her hands up? I guess. I guess the bigger question here is, for one, why are we even having the conversation? Kavanaugh is the number one trend right now. It's the number one trend on Twitter. Trump is tweeting about it, saying something should be done. People are arguing with it. They're talking about Donald Trump's, you know, tweet being misspelled. How can we function as a country if a year after a Supreme Court justice is confirmed, you have numerous calls for impeachment from Julian Castro to, I believe I have another story. I guess I don't have it pulled up. You've got Kamala Harris stepping up as well. You have Julian Castro, Kamala, oh yeah, I have the tweet from Kamala Harris, calling for his impeachment. What do we do? If Trump, if, if Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you know, ends up leaving the Supreme Court or passing and Trump appoints someone new, are they going to do the exact same thing? Can we allow the court of public opinion to present uncorroborated claims and destroy the credibility of somebody? Here's the most important part. Brett Kavanaugh was vetted numerous times. Every time he served on a court, he had to be vetted. He was vetted before he became a Supreme Court justice. Now he's on the Supreme Court, vetted again, and new allegations emerge just in time for someone to sell a book. Now, here's what's really funny. From Fox News, New York Times sparks furor with tweet describing alleged Kavanaugh behavior as harmless fun. They were talking about the incident in the story, and they said it may seem like harmless fun, but it's not. And there you have it. Now we are swimming in another controversy targeting Brett Kavanaugh, and it won't stop. Do you think they'll give up now? No. They're going to call for investigations. They are calling for investigations. Let's be real. Castro calls for latest claim against Kavanaugh to be investigated. Kamala Harris is calling for his direct impeachment, as are many other people. In this story, we can see that Sean Kasten says, I don't feel like we talk enough about the fact that Kavanaugh lied under oath to the United States Senate, and the majority of the United States Senator didn't care. What did he lie about? Because they uncovered a new story? We have this one, Joyce uh, Aileen. There must be a full congressional investigation. This is a former U.S. attorney. Uh, Joyce, it says Joyce Vance. Oh, okay, so whatever. Uh, we must, there must be a full congressional investigation to determine whether someone, and if so, who, gave orders that kept the FBI from investigating credible allegations and speaking to witnesses who reached out to them. We were told this was a full investigation. It's really simple. If you go to the FBI and say 30 years ago, someone pulled their pants down and wiggled their junk, they're going to be like, what do, you want me to, what do you want me to do about that? When I, I went to the police because I once had a vehicle stolen and they said, we're going to be honest with you. What do you want us to do? We're going to take the report down. We're going to write down the plate. If we see it somewhere, then we'll, we'll, we'll take care of it. But what do you think they're going to do? Do you think, you think the police are going to go all CSI Miami? A lot of people seem to think that because of these crime drama shows, the police and the FBI show start dusting for prints and then they pull up all this evidence and then there you go. No, they write it down and they say, have a nice day. It's actually funny when you look at the Jesse Smollett story, because that's probably what he thought was going to happen. And then the police actually decided to go all CSI Miami and did a search. And then they found evidence that, you know, leads us to believe he made the whole thing up. But in this instance, we have several 30-year-old allegations that never came up before that are coming up at a completely contentious time. And what, what do you expect them to do? There's no video. There's no photo. There's one guy. There's no corroboration. And there's no victim. The victim says she doesn't know. And they're now saying because of that, the FBI was obstructed. This says to me that they will not stop. 
in their quest for power. They will take any lie they can and use it as justification. What's scary is there are people on the left who believe by any means necessary, which means even though there's no way to prove this in a court of law, even though we must protect the innocent, they want to win enough that they will say, don't care. I don't care whether it's true or not. Go for it. Did Brett Kavanaugh do anything wrong? Maybe. Maybe it was a drunk college frat boy. But why are we talking about it a year later? Because we can't move on. We couldn't move on from 2016. The left refused to let it go. All of these people who said Trump supporters will never accept defeat, they'll sue and they'll complain. And who was it? It was the Democrats. It was the left. They refused to let it go. Russiagate for three years. Brett Kavanaugh gets appointed because Trump won. They refuse to let it go. They come up with all these allegations, things that don't make sense. Even Christine Blasey Ford's story didn't make sense. She claimed she was afraid to fly. And then they asked her, do you fly frequently? And she said, yes. They claimed, or, or she claims, she now, she now has two front doors because she's scared and she needs a, a second you know, uh, path to escape. And then they said, aren't you Airbnb in the property? That's why you have a second door. Oh, right. The stories that don't add up. And a sane, rational person who, look, I, I wouldn't have voted for Trump. It is what it is. He got elected. That's how the game is played. I'm not, I'm not going to cry about it. Is looking at what's happening and can't find a sane and logical reason as to why any of this would happen outside of they are playing dirty. They are playing dirty and they will use this to get Brett Kavanaugh off the Supreme Court. Now, in the end, it won't. It won't work. What are they, what are they, what are they going to do? There's no evidence. What can they do? They can call for investigation and they're going to say, he lied under oath. He lied to Senate, whatever. They're going to find any smidgen of unprovable, uncorroborated claim and say, oh, well, you know, the story might not be true, but he lied. That's what they're doing to Trump right now. Russiagate was fake news. So what do they say? Well, he obstructed justice. And there it is. That's the grounds for impeachment now. Not that Russiagate was true. They're now stretching it to whatever, to whatever degree they can. That's what they're going to do with Brett Kavanaugh. I got to say, I feel bad for the guy. Um, I, I, in my personal opinion, his views on the Fourth Amendment and technology are a bit um, archaic, and I don't think he understands tech well enough. I'm not a fan of Brett Kavanaugh, but I don't think it's the end of the world. I think it comes and goes in waves. And in this instance, you have conservatives who are taking back the courts, who have taken the executive branch. They did the same thing with Bush. What do you expect? But if you play dirty, if you refuse to abide by social norms and in our institutions, how can we move forward? I don't know how we can actually progress as a country when one side is willing to lie, cheat, and steal to get whatever they want. Now, now again, I will, I will criticize Mitch McConnell for, the Obama, for, for you know, what he did with Obama's appointee. Fine. But that was wholly different. That was just like, I don't know, to me, that was gross politicking. Obama gave them the moderate they asked for, and they, they, they said, no, we're going to get the person that Trump wants because we can. We can hold things up. That's politics. You see it both on both sides. You see it with, you know, Jerry Nadler and what, like 98 saying, you can't impeach the president in this way. And now saying we're going to impeach the president. They go back and forth. Fine. But this is a whole new ball game. These are 30 year old fake, fake, you know, as far as I'm concerned, just false allegations, 30 years old. They're stepping things up to the point where I fear it's all going to break down. No one's going to respect the rule of law. No one's going to respect social norms. And there won't be a new election. There won't be a new appointee because no matter what happens, they're going to say it was a cheat. Trump wins. It was Russia. Three years of a Russia investigation. We find, yeah, you know, Russia may have tried, you know, swinging, you know, some votes, but didn't really have a big impact. They don't care. They say Trump is illegitimate. Then Trump can appoint somebody and everything after this point. So here's what I think. 
It's 20, you know, it's 2016 never ending. They'll never let it go. They'll say everything after 2016 is void. So by, by their standards, they can do or say whatever they want. Don't think it'll end here. The next appointee Trump gets, it will keep going. I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment will be coming up at youtube.com slash timcastnews at 6 p.m. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all next time. If not for a witness to the hoax hate crime, we would be dealing with Jussie Smollett 2.0. And this is, you know, I know it's cliche to say this, but this is a disservice to every actual victim of a real hate crime. Here's the story. Ex-Tampa Bay Buccaneers NFL player 31 is charged with trashing two of his own restaurants, spraying the N-word and MAGA on the walls to make it look like a hate crime so he couldn't collect insurance money. Is, is that what it was really about, insurance money? We don't know that's true. So the police basically said it may, it may have been for attention, we don't know. But if there wasn't a witness nearby who saw him pull it off, this would be a very, very different story. That's from the police. This guy would be the victim. How many times does this happen? There's actually websites dedicated to tracking hoax hate crimes. And then so you, so you ask yourself, but why? Why would someone spray paint MAGA and the N-word in their own business? Think about the press. When, before it was revealed, in all likelihood, that Justice Smollett staged everything, he had what, like the cast of Big Bang Theory doing this big promo photo shoot. He had Ellen Page on, on that, you know, Colbert or whatever going, this is wrong, what they're doing. Everyone comes out, but when you get caught, no one says anything. So after Justice Smollett's story fizzles out, where is, where, where's the correction? Where's the retraction? This is one of the biggest problems humanity faces. And I mean it. It's not about specifically hoax hate crimes. It's about the fact that when a lie comes out, everybody wants to partake. And when the truth happens, no one cares. Well, what about this story? Is this story going to get any traction at all? Of course not. Because a story about a poor man who was victimized by bigots wearing MAGA hats is a much better story than a dude faking it to smear MAGA MAGA hat wearing (laughs) Trump supporters. You know, it, it, one of the issues, I guess, is this guy would have played the victim as an individual, and he could have told that story. There's no direct MAGA person. It would just look bad about, you know, at Trump. But here's the thing. This story makes them look bad, but then they'll say it was just one person. You see the problem here? If one person is the victim, they prop him up, they parade him around and say, this one incident where one thing happened is representative of everyone all the time, everywhere, it's Trump's fault. But now that it's one person getting caught, they go, it's just one person. It's not representative of everyone. Okay. All right. I get it. I get it. It's politics. It's advantageous to prop this up. Let's read the story because you can tell I'm already frustrated on this. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you would like to support my work. There are multiple ways you can do this. There's a physical address, PayPal. Here's the thing. This kind of stuff, man, it's going to get deranked. It's going to get demonetized. It's a guarantee. I just, it's, it's, it's. If you like this content and you want to help me do more, just share it on social media, wherever. I don't just share it wherever, on Minds, on Facebook, on Twitter. Um, let's break some echo chambers. And uh, you know, I always put it this way: if YouTube won't recommend my content, if Facebook won't recommend my content, because that's how the system works, then so be it. Then it's up to you guys if you think I do a good job to share it. And they can never stop that. They can't take away the ability to share. They can try and derank me all day and night. So long as I'm doing something good, we will break through that obstacle. Let's read on. Let's, let's read the story. 
A former NFL player was arrested by police for allegedly wrecking two of his own businesses to stage a fake hate crime and be eligible to receive insurance money. Maybe. They think that because he called the insurance company, I believe that's, well, let's read. Authorities from the Gwinnett County Police Department in Georgia responded to a burglary in process call around 9.30 p.m. on Wednesday when a witness reported a man damaging businesses. The two businesses, Create and Bake Restaurant and Kaufman's Creamery, belonged to former NFL player and local business owner Edwin Kaufman. Inside the businesses, officers found Monkey, the N-word, MAGA, and swastikas scrawled in the wall in fresh black spray paint. The smell of spray paint was very fresh when officers touched it. The paint appeared wet, a news release from police said. The cushions were reportedly sliced open, mirrors were broken, wires were cut, TVs were missing, and the surveillance system was broken. You can see there it says, you know, monkey, and they knifed the, the seats. According to a news release, the witness told officers the suspect was driving a Chevrolet Silverado with no license plate. Uh, a corporal, I believe CPL's corporal, Michelle, uh, <laughs> Michelle Pejera told Gwinnett Daily Post, we believe he used that possibly not to have the truck or identity of the truck returned back to him. After authorities dispatched to look for the suspicious vehicle, saw one that matched the description leaving a shopping center. Behind the wheel was Kaufman. If it weren't for that, uh, that witness, he would have gotten away with it. Officers noticed several TVs, both inside and in the bed of his truck, that were still attached to brackets with damaged drywall. Kaufman was also wearing a pair of gloves, the Gwinnett Daily Post reported. He was wearing gloves. They caught him red-handed. As far as, look, I know it's an allegation, but come on, man. A 31-year-old told authorities he'd realized his business had been burglarized earlier in the day, but contacted his insurance company instead of the local police. Ah, yes, that's, that's, that's the emergency line. You know, there's a special number to contact your insurance company that, that you know, you don't need to talk to police. Don't worry about it. I'm, I'm kidding. You get it, right? Suspicious. Police officers obtained a search warrant to search Kaufman's car on Thursday. Oh, are you kidding me? Later on, they searched his car and he still had evidence in it? This dude. <laughs> I tell you what, man. So look, you can see MAGA spray painted here on the wall. I guess he's got hand sanitizer. That, that's so ridiculous, man. As if any of these middle-aged, you know, uh, uh, like out-of-work dudes who supported Trump are going around spray painting MAGA on walls. It's just the most insane caricature of what a Trump supporter would be. I know I kind of did that by saying, you know, middle-aged, out-of-work dude. But I'm just imagining, like, a construction worker in rural America with a MAGA hat on, like, sipping a Coors Light, watching a football game, and then you're going to act like he shows up to a creamer and spray paints MAGA. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why would they do that? It's just such a caricature. It doesn't exist in real life. No one's going around spray painting MAGA on things unless they're trying to frame Trump supporters. So, so here you go. After authorities dispatched to look for the, uh, the suspicious vehicle, saw one that matched the description leaving a shopping center. Behind the wheel was Kaufman. Officers noticed several TVs. Uh, I, I guess it's just... So you get the TV. Look at the, the wall is still on the TVs in the back of his truck. They found cans of black spray paint and a crowbar allegedly used to pry open the back door to one of the businesses. Kaufman was arrested in the early morning hours of Thursday for false report of a crime, insurance fraud, and concealing a license plate. In insurance fraud? Is there a hoax hate crime law? The police statement said, It appears as though Idan conjured a premeditated plan to damage his own property 
attempt to make it appear as a hate crime, file a claim with his insurance company, and sell off the undamaged appliances and electronics. I wonder if his businesses are underwater. You know, so apparently it looks like he's got an ice cream shop and a pizza place. Is he not making money? Or maybe he wanted attention. If he's an ex-NFL player, I have to wonder if the real goal was just to get back in the press. Colin Kaepernick, for instance, he's built a career off activism. He, he's, he makes more money now by just being like, I protested, than actually playing football. And I'm sure that resonates with people who only care about themselves. If you think they're, like everyone in this world is, is, a, is a humble, honest individual, I got a bridge to sell you. It's just not the case. Some people are bad people, and people care about themse- themselves, their friends, and their families. And to me, this is one of the roots of corruption, period. When you talk to the CEO of the major corporation that's polluting, you know, the stream or whatever, they say, well, if it wasn't me, it'd be somebody else. But I got to take care of my family. I got to buy my mom a house. That's usually where it comes down to. Human empathy extends, you know, only so far for the average person. This guy doesn't care that he is damaging more than just a business. He is damaging the nation. He doesn't care that politics in this country are reaching a tipping point, a a crucial point where violence has been breaking out in the streets and people are showing up to immigration facilities with weapons. He doesn't care. What does he care about? Presumably the insurance money and getting on TV, just like Jussie Smollett, in my opinion. Now, Now, look, Jussie hasn't been convicted. Neither has this guy. It's an allegation. So I'll respect that. But I'm going to I'm going to fall on the side of this is all about personal gain. Play the victim, win a prize. That's what they want because it works. How many times have we heard a story about, say, a woman saying her hijab was ripped off? Fake news. We, we, we have maps dedicated to tracking hoax hate crimes. And here's what always happens. I highlight this. Why? Because it is an extreme anomaly of someone trying to take advantage of our goodwill. And like clockwork, the left comes out and claims, because I cover one hoax, I'm saying hate crimes don't exist. Of course they do. And they probably occur way more than things like this. But these things happen too much. You would think if you cared about people being victims of hate crimes, you would stop the hoaxers. You would call them out. That's why I do it. I don't want to see any of my neighbors, friends and family, for any reason, viciously attacked and having their business destroyed. And when it happens, I want a thorough investigation and I want the perpetrators brought to justice. We must protect the innocent. This man is a perpetrator who is damaging beyond. He is damaging more than just a business. He is making it harder to have these conversations. I know it sounds cliche, but it's true. And, it, and, it's, and every single time something like this happens, this is what people say, but it is a fact. This cannot stand because the next time we hear about one of these crimes and it's not outrageous and, and cartoonish like MAGA being spray painted on a wall, people might not believe him because we hear about these stories because of people like Jesse Smollett. And now this guy, if we actually want to bring about justice, we cannot allow this. Throw the book at the dude, like everything you can. Let's read on. Corporal uh, Pajera told the Gwinnett Daily Post, we don't know if he was trying to get attention for this. What we do know is if that witness had not called us and if, that, and, and if those officers had not responded as quickly as they did, we would probably be sitting here talking about a completely different crime in which Mr. Kaufman would be trying to say he's a victim. He would be. And he would be, they'd put him on TV. They'd put him on every light, late night show and he would say, oh, in Trump's America, oh, in Trump's America. Good, you got caught. Are they going to talk about it now? Nope, they don't care. And that is the, the, the it's, it's asymmetrical warfare in the culture war. Asymmetrical. 
meaning this guy can take the risk. And the worst case scenario is he gets in trouble. End of story. But if he got away with it, it would have been a massive, massive strike against Trump supporters and the right. And then people would believe it. I assure you, this story is not going to reach the eyes and ears of people who hate Trump. They're not, they don't care. They're, and, 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 and even if they do see it, it's just one guy. So con artist, uh, one guy, Jesse Smollett, okay? How many other stories do we have to have? But more importantly, what was so crazy about the Jesse story was how much attention they gave this guy, putting him on what, like Good Morning America, everybody talking about it, saying this is Trump's fault, this is Mike Pence's fault. And then when it was revealed, where were these people? You see the asymmetry? This is the game. They can cheat and win. And this is what scares me about all of this. I refuse. I won't cheat. I don't. I have principles. I have integrity. I want to protect the innocent. I want to stop the hate crimes. I want real justice for people in this country, no matter what the color of your skin is or your orientation what, any, or anything like that. I want justice. I want the innocent protected. People have a right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and that must be protected for all. But I'm not willing to lie, cheat, and steal. And they are. And that gives them a massive, massive advantage. And we see it. You know, I, I know I've mentioned it a couple times, but when I put on an event, or I should say when I sponsor an event, I'm not a contract holder. I sponsor an event in Philadelphia. They call up the businesses. They accuse everybody of being, you know, white supremacists. And then the businesses just start backing out saying, we don't care. We don't want to play this game. And what can I do? Can I rally? You know, can, can I send out? No, 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 no. Everybody go call them and tell them it's not true. Can I pull the activist tactics? No, because they're dirty cheaters. So we can't do that. And that means we are playing life on hard mode. And it scares me because we might lose. This could happen again. In fact, another guy who owns a business next door could do the same thing and then say, oh, nope, that proves it. Now see, oh, he was innocent. He's going to claim he's innocent. The cops are going to say we've had evidence. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I assure you, there will be people right now on forums claiming he's innocent and the cops are framing him to protect the police, the patriarchy or whatever the hell. Granted, that'll be few and far between. It'll be a very small amount of people, but they will. They exist. What would have happened if he got away with it? He'd be sitting there with Colbert tonight saying it's all Trump's fault. Trump did it. And then half the country who mostly just care about getting manufacturing jobs and paying and, 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 and a better economy and paying for their kids college will be smeared as white supremacists. And that's what they've been doing. I'm not a, like I, I can say it for the millionth time. Not, not a big fan of Trump, his policies or his character. But, you know, it's whatever. It's another president. We're going to have an election. It's not the end of the world. I've been through multiple presidents, Democrat, Republican. And even South Park made the joke that when Obama gets elected, everyone's running around screaming. We get it, man. It's an election. Grow up. But the people who are voting for Trump are not racists. They're not white supremacists. And then they like to come out and say, yeah, but all of the racists are Trump supporters. Not even true. Not even true. Like, come back to reality, man. This stuff is fake. Okay? It is fake. Let's read a little bit. As the investigation continues, the number of victims will be determined. We're also looking into the fact that his insurance company could also be a victim, depending on if a claim was in process. There's also a possibility the owner of the building could also be a victim. The case does not fit the mold of our typical criminal investigations, so we have to look outside the box to see how many victims we truly have. Kaufman was bonded out of jail. This story is not going to get any attention, so if you made it this far, share the video. I, I, whatever, man. You know, it's, it's, it's really frustrating to me that evil, evil people, self-interested, destructive monsters can pull this off 
And in the worst case scenario, sure, they'll get charged criminally, but the court of public opinion will ignore them. Ignore them. And if he was five minutes faster, just five minutes, and they couldn't catch him, the witness wasn't there, he'd be getting all the praise in the world. He'd get a new brand of Nike shoes. Look at that. Look at that swoosh on that, on that shoulder pad. Yeah, look at that swoosh. I'm sure they'd love to prop him up if he got away with it. So how many times, you know, do, do, does things, does something like this have to happen? They say that the lie travels halfway around the world before the truth has a chance to strap on its boots. But there's also something else. It's not just that. It's that people will pay the fare for the lie to take a train around the world. And when the truth steps up, they say, get out. We don't care. And we don't want anyone to know. This guy didn't make the lie work, but it's still not going to travel around the world. You see what I mean? That if he got away with the lie, people would spin that around the world. They'd give it a first class flight all the way from New York to Hong Kong and back. But when he gets busted and the truth does exist first and foremost, and there is no lie, nobody wants to buy a a ticket. Nope, sorry, this story won't ship. We just don't want it. And so you're not going to see people go on Colbell. You're you're not going to see the Big Bang Theory cast come out and say justice for Trump supporters. Nope, (laughs) they don't care. They just want to win politically. And in the end, the liars, the cheaters, and the thieves get the advantage. And they sometimes get away with it. Fortunately, he didn't, but I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment will be coming up at YouTube.com on this channel at uh, at 1 p.m. And I I will see you all there. On today's edition of Things That Get Donald Trump Elected, we have the story of a white woman who is friends with a black person and she was going to cut his hair and got accused of being racist for cutting his hair. He asked her, okay, let let me try and break this down. A white woman was asked, to cut a black person's hair. That's it. They're friends. For some reason, the left is outraged, angered. How dare she cut his hair? I'm, I'm, you know what? I want to say I'm confused by the sheer insanity that we see in the news every day, but I'm not surprised at this point. Look at this story. A picture of white woman cutting off black teens dreadlocks for a better life sparks outrage. But he says he asked her to do it and she is his mentor who supported him after he was shot 14 times. Let's get a little bit more into the nuance. Listen, man, sometimes people want to make a change. So they'll do something like get a tattoo or cut their hair. In this instance, the dude had dreads and he asked her to cut his hair. He was trying to make a change in his life. Something that symbolizes that people do this all the time. Sometimes people wear wristbands. Sometimes people will change their clothes or they'll get a haircut. Just because he asked for a haircut doesn't mean anything racist. Think about what would have, would have happened if there was a hippie dude with like long hippie hair and a stoner shirt. And he said, man, I've been smoking too much. I got to do something with my life. And so he went to his friend who was say a black woman. And he said, can you cut my hair for me? I want to make a change. I want to, I want to do better. And this is going to symbolize that nobody would care. I can't believe I'm actually telling you about a story in which a person cut their friend's hair and it became a racist outrage moment. That's the world we live in. So let's read the story. Before we get started, head over to timcast.com slash donate because for some reason I'm a glutton for punishment and I want to keep doing this. Don't ask me why. I don't get it either. I read these stories and I got to admit, part of me finds it hilarious. Part of me does. And I can't quite figure out why I still do this. Wait till you see the story I have for 4 p.m. I feel like we're, you know, the internet 
is this weird alternate dimension of pure insanity. And for some reason, your friend Tim Pool has decided I should keep doing this. In order to keep doing it, I need your support. So you can go to timcast.com slash donate if you would like to support my work or just share this video. Once again, because I'm a glutton for punishment, I would like to do more of reading insane stories. No, but let's be real for a second. It is kind of worrisome when these stories start persisting. I don't know what kind of world we're going to have for our children if we even have them. I mean, birth rates are on the decline. Things seem pretty bad in a lot of different ways. But I also feel like, you know, I made a video about this. Every generation has their great challenge. For us, I think we have no purpose. Nobody is doing anything anymore. So what ends up happening is they fill that void. They create a purpose like being outraged because a woman cut her friend's hair. How is this news? These people are nuts. Can I just say that? I don't care for, you know, right now there's like a big outrage thing with like in the video game community. I don't know, man. You know what I care about? I care about basic principles and I care about politics and I care about technology. I'm not going to talk about interpersonal drama, but this These people are not particularly important, right? Just a dude who wanted his haircut and he wanted to make a change. He was shot, apparently. But all of these high-profile people start shrieking. Why? Who cares, man? You know what I was thinking? Like, what happened to the great pioneers of the past generations? Why don't you just go into your yard and, like, build a garden? You know, like, like put some wood down, build it. You know, like, put, you know, maybe not build, but prepare, prepare a garden. Why do this? If you need purpose, build a barn. You know, go, go plant some trees. Why? Yell at a woman for cutting her friend's hair. I just don't understand what is wrong with these people. So there's the picture of a happy dude who got a haircut. Congratulations on your haircut. I didn't know haircuts were news, but apparently haircuts are racist. A black teenager from Chicago has defended his white mentor after a picture of her cutting off his dreadlocks went viral on Twitter and sparked criticism. Kobe Richardson, 19, spoke out against what he believes is unfair criticism of Sally Hazelgrove, 56, a woman who was pictured cutting his dreadlocks in 2016, sparking outrage on social media. Well, you know what? What aren't they outraged by these days? And I, and I mean that. There's a meme where it's like, you know, uh, shakes, you know, tin of like, or, or was it like shuffles card pulled out, you know, what, what is the meme basically like? Darn white people on their shuffles deck pulls card haircuts. That's the meme. There you go. When 16, Richardson was shot 14 times by a man he thought was his friend, an attack that left him in a coma. When he woke up in a hospital, Hazel Grove was one of the first people he saw. Now that is heartwarming. The 2016 tweet posted by Hazel Grove was unearthed earlier this month, showing her cutting off Richardson's dreadlocks for her organization, Crushers Club, which helps young men in Chicago through mentoring. I kid you not. They're not just digging into the histories of people like, you know, Brett Kavanaugh, 30 years ago, you did this. They're literally pulling up tweets from a random woman who did a haircut for her friend. An online backlash was swift after filmmaker Ava DuVernay, why, why, who made the Netflix miniseries, miniseries When They See Us, retweeted the post claiming it was shameful to encourage members of the black community to cut their dreads for a better life. Oh, these people are insane and evil. They don't care about what this young man wanted because he asked for the haircut. They just want to virtue signal and say, look at me, no matter what you've done, it's bigoted. And they don't know Sally. Okay, he told ABC News, you shouldn't judge a person over a picture because that's not who they are. And they don't know Sally. Sally is a good woman. All I know her to do is help and love people. That's so sad, man. Richardson first met Hazel Grove, or Miss Sally, as he calls her, after the near fatal shooting. 
I was shot 14 times and left for dead, he said. Hazel Grove helped Richardson land back on his feet after the attack. Richardson, now a supervisor at Crusher's Club, awesome, has continued the relationship with Hazel Grove over the years. The controversial video posted three years ago to the Crusher's Club account shows Hazel Grove cutting off Richardson's and an unidentified black male teenager's dreadlocks. The caption read, and another crusher let me cut his dreads off. It's symbolic of change and their desire for a better life. It's not racial. It's a haircut. It's, it, that's all it is. On September 5th, a Twitter account named Resist Programming uncovered the photos and fired back against the Crushers Club. The tweet reads, Today, today the NFL's Inspire Change Social Justice Group is funding, a vi- uh, is funding and visiting a nonprofit that wants to cut off the locks of Chicago black youth for a better life when they asked her to do it as a sign of change, not as a racial symbol. The account is referring to the new initiative set forth by rapper Jay-Z's Rock Nation. You see, here's what they really want to do. They want to attack the NFL, and they found something from years ago that is totally irrelevant. It's what they do. These people are insane. They are evil, and it's time we stop listening to them. Please, centrists, moderates, liberals, grow a spine and speak out. And I really mean that. How many times do I have to see a post, you know, there's stats, surveys, polls saying, Regular people do not like this, but you won't stand up. You won't speak out. So what happens? These people lose their jobs and they are hurt by a mob because you refuse to come to their defense. You know what? I'm absolutely willing to stand up and say, knock it off. I'm not a conservative, but you people are nuts and you are feeding into what what makes Donald Trump. Okay. People who are saying they've had enough and they want someone like Trump to come in and just sweep it all away. You get what you deserve. If you don't like the man, even if you don't care about the man, the point is, outside of the president, this kind of thing needs to stop. And it only stops when you when when the kid starts screeching, you say, knock it off. You're grounded. Okay, what happened to parents disciplining their kids? When the kid freaks out and starts having a temper tantrum, you're supposed to just say, go to your room. I'm shutting off the internet. Now you can't play your silly little video games. You get in trouble. You need discipline. These people are bad people. And as long as you don't step up and say enough, they will keep doing this. It's so insane, man. This dude asked his friend for a haircut because he wanted to make a change. And now they're attacking her. She did nothing. She was just helping someone who asked for a favor. So until people start standing up and telling these people to buzz off, what are we going to do? This woman is going to keep doing Netflix specials and she's going to get better jobs and make more money because no one will tell them enough. Stop. You know what's funny? Now, I'm not going to go there. We'll just read on. Resist Programming's tweet caught the attention of social media users and was eventually picked up by DuVernay. What is it? 5,000 retweets attacking a woman helping her friend. Look at Charlotte Clymer. Disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Oh, okay. If my friend asks for a favor, I guess I better not do it. Just, uh, I I don't care for who these random people are. I care for like, you know, the verified users. Sally Hazelgrove from the Crushers Club has a history of cutting black boys' hair. And she is a Trump supporter who believes that black people in Chicago should be placed on a curfew. <laughs> this is insane. This is so nuts, dude. The crust, look at this, look at this. The Crushers Club does not have any policies prohibiting dreadlocks. We welcome all the hairstyles from our youth. On two occasions, our kids looked to change their hairstyles and asked us to assist. I understand how my social media posts could be interpreted as, as insensitive, but this was never my intention. 
I love these kids like my own, and I've spent nearly two decades of my life working to help them build a future without putting their lives or freedom at risk. My goal is and will always be to equip our youth with the resources to improve their neighborhoods, maximize their potential, and develop into the leaders of tomorrow. When asked what he thought of the retaliation, he believes people don't fully understand, understand the situation. I think they're just on the outside looking in because Sally is with us here and everywhere. She'd be here daily, Monday through Friday with us, and they don't know what, what actually goes on here. Yep. So you know what they're saying? The message is clear. If there are young people, let's say they're not white, and they get shot for whatever reason, and you go to help them, and you say, I'm going to do everything I can to give you a better life, you're racist. That's what they're saying. They're saying, do not help those in need. I can't stand these people. These people are overtly racist. And you know what? I wish nothing but the best for this man, Kobe, and for Sally. They seem like really nice people doing really great things. And Sally seems to be helping out a lot of young people. What's the problem? The left have so many racists in their ranks that are pushing this kind of thing, attacking two people of different backgrounds, supporting each other. They want segregation. Not all of the left, okay? Let's make that clear. The problem is there are people associated with the Democrats and the left who won't stand up, who don't read, who don't take a stand. Marion Williamson learned the hard way. She said, I didn't realize the left lied like this. I didn't realize they were so mean. Well, it's about time people start doing something about this and protect the good people who are doing good things and fighting racism and making a better future. I am just tired. I am tired of people doing nothing. How many conversations I've had with people who say, I agree with you, but I can't say anything. I'll lose my job. So what? I know. And they've said to me, Tim, you can't get fired. You can't get fired because you have your own company, your own job. Well, you know what? I worked for a company. I worked for two. I walked away from them because they didn't like me pushing back. They just want safe, secure capital. Don't push back, Tim. It's controversial. We want to make money. Just tell them what they want to hear, they would say. And I said, later, I'll go do my own thing. I don't care if I end up sleeping in the woods or in a van down by the river. I'm going to stand up for what needs to be said. And I hope you all do the same. Because until someone actually says, hey, you're a crazy person, leave them alone. Until everyone stands up and does it, it will only get worse. Wait till you see the next story I'm going to do. It's just, I, I think everything's breaking down. You know what's going on? Kavanaugh, Brett Kavanaugh, they, they want him impeached. Because 30-year-old allegations surfaced, surfaced that are not corroborated. Okay, it's breaking down. And someone's got to say something. Next segment will be at youtube.com slash timcast at 4 p.m. It is a different channel. I will see you all there. What would you rather do? Would you rather sit around mopey and angry all the time, offended at everything, complaining nonstop about literally any single thing the president could say? I don't know, maybe he spells a word wrong, so you go nuts and make it a viral worldwide trend. Yes, they did that. Or would you rather just laugh? Would you rather laugh at the absurdity, laugh at the joke, and just laugh at the fact that these people are so insanely angry over something that happens every few years in this country? Republicans get elected, Democrats get elected back and forth. And then all of a sudden, you've got these people that are running around like chickens with their heads cut off. Donald Trump's plastic straws and Sharpies are netting his campaign nearly $1 million in cash. You know what I, you know what I did when I saw this? I, 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 I'm completely honest. I busted out laughing. I busted out laughing. Donald Trump has turned these two silly moments into cash. What an absurd reality we live in. First of all, 
The president is a celebrity. He was before and he is now. And people are freaking out like he's literally, what did the MSNBC woman say? He's talking about exterminating Latinos. Calm down, you people are going nuts. He's selling straws and Sharpies and turning your outrage into cold, hard cash. Think about that. Donald Trump not only is really great at trolling, not only his campaign, I'm not going to say necessarily him, but yes, definitely Trump knows how to troll. But his campaign, they're smart. Doing the Sharpie and straw thing was a brilliant move. The Sharpie thing was really brilliant. And they've monetized it. But you know what? The people who are buying these are laughing too. They donated the president anyway. Now they've turned a troll into a second degree troll. This is one of the most brilliant trolls I have ever seen in my life. Think about this. Okay. Donald Trump draws a Sharpie or somebody does on a, on a piece of cardboard. I don't know if you know the, the, what happened, but basically there was a weather thing and Trump had like a Sharpie mark showing Alabama. The media goes nuts. Trump tweets. They're, they're just so in love with themselves. They love fighting about themselves with the president. And then Trump's campaign sells Sharpies on their website. The first thing Trump does is he trolls the media with a picture of a cat and a laser pointer. They go all crazy. Then he sells Sharpies. His supporters laughing buy the Sharpies, giving Trump money. And now Trump has raised nearly $1 million. So all of their outrage did nothing but help the president. So I ask you again, what would you rather do? Would you rather be sitting there going, oh, that Trump, oh, I'll get you. Or would you rather be laughing and showing off the funny Sharpie you bought for no reason? People would rather laugh. And Trump knows it. And that's why Trump is self-deprecating. He is. You know, they, they, they talk about in the media about how he's a liar, how he's boorish, about how his feelings are easily hurt. And I'm like, you know what, man? I talk about him being boorish and being offensive. Absolutely. But they make it seem like Trump is offended all the time, and I really don't see it. Now, he tweets things. Probably, you know, it, it's, they, they probably think it affects him more than it really does. But having seen the president in person in the White House make fun of himself for like an hour and everyone laughed, Trump understands how to be personable. What people don't get is that making fun of yourself and being self-deprecating like Trump does, at least sometimes, is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. Trump is so sure of himself that he can talk about all of the things the media has said about him and play to it like, you know, make fun of him, self-deprecating humor. And the crowd loves it because it's Trump being, as much as nobody would want to admit it, to an, ex- to an extent, humble, recognizing the things he's been criticized for. But it also shows he doesn't care. He thinks it's funny. I always tell people this. You can't be embarrassed. You can only embarrass yourself. Think about this scenario. And trust me, I, I mean it. I Trust me. We'll read this. I'm sorry, but we'll read it. Let's say you're in a classroom. You're in high school. You're in college. And you fart. And it's loud. And it is wet and gross. And everybody goes, oh, and they'll start laughing. People I know will get embarrassed and be like, that wasn't me. And they'll try and deny the fart was theirs. No, I didn't do it. It was you. No, because uh, nobody wants to take. No, no, because they're embarrassed, right? No, 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 no. The people aren't embarrassing them. You embarrass yourself because think about the alternative. I knew a dude when I was around like, you know, high school age. He would fart and then fan it at you laughing. Ha 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 ha. Taking control of something people might laugh at. And then everyone goes, oh, you're a dick. Oh, dude, gross. Nobody was laughing. Now they were like, oh, what a jerk, right? And he was laughing. You choose if you're going to be upset or embarrassed by something. So you think about, you, you can think about comedy, right? Somebody uh, like Chris Farley, who 
used his body and his character to be funny, to gain power. And then you think about the current iteration of, of, you know, people where they're like, it's not okay to make fun of people who are fat. It's like people use what they are in a form of humor. So anyway, let's read it. That's the point I'm going to make about Trump, right? Basically, a million bucks in cash is like, it's like trolling squared. Now, now all the Trump supporters are going to be laughing about how Trump made money off of their outrage. The Daily Caller reports, President Donald Trump's move to sell merchandise as a means of piggybacking off his recent media antics, you see, has managed to net his campaign nearly $1 million. It's so insane. The president is selling plastic straws and Sharpies, and he made $823,000. But it's funny. Wouldn't you rather laugh? In the end, what harm does it do, right? That's the question I ask. There are a lot of things that Trump does or any other president will do that does cause harm. But in the end, what harm does this do? And why are they so angry about it? They try and take, you know, Trump talking about, uh, he said his supporters are soaking wet and they all start screeching in unison about it's not, not raining. And then here, here's what it is. Trump says something like, man, people outside are soaking wet. Take the bait. They take it and they say, ha, there's no rain. And then they run wild and start screeching like crazy. And then Trump leans in and goes, I was talking about sweat. And then all of a sudden, all of the media are like, oh, oh, and they all look all flustered and angry. And then you get all of Trump supporters laughing at how stupid these people are. The campaign has sold nearly 55,000 packs of plastic straws. Oh, my stars and garters. Netting over $823 in sales. Whereas campaign officials have sold about $50,000 worth of Sharpie pens. Campaign communication director Tim Murtaugh told the New York Times. Admittedly, the straws have been on sale for a lot longer than the Sharpies have, and the, sh- the, the straws are probably cheaper, so you'll get a ton of people buying straws, a smaller group buying the, the Sharpies. More than a third of the people who purchased the straws had never donated to the campaign, Murtaugh said, and there it is. It's a game. It's a joke. It's fun. There are people who probably never thought to donate to Trump, and then when he does this, they're like, oh man, I got to get one of those straws. I'd love to have some of those straws. Maybe I'll buy some. No, I, I won't though, because I really don't want to donate to his campaign. But it would be, it'd be I, I do own a, a pristine MAGA hat that somebody gave me, and someone also sent me a MAGA beanie. I keep them not because I like the president, because they are symbols of our generation, of, of our era, right? I'm not going to wear them. But I'd love to have the Sharpie and the, and the straw simply because it is like, it's, 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 an, it's an heirloom. It's a souvenir of this strange era. You might notice behind me, I've got all these things. Like that blue thing right there is a tweet from some Venezuelan dude trying to get me killed. Okay. And I got like, you know, I got a magazine story, about. I keep little bits. You can't see all the stuff I have over here, but I keep little pieces of all of these historical moments as symbols that represent that, that moment in time. In fact, right here, I don't know if you can hear that. I've got police tape from where this uh, black identity extremist executed two police outside of my apartment. I kid you not. It's here's my apartment. And then on the next corner over, he executed two cops and the police tape surrounding my block. When they were throwing it away, it was blowing away in the wind. And I just grabbed a chunk and I was like, I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it. And that's the thing. Not only is it a, is it a two-tier troll where Trump can turn outrage into a joke, into money, but it's also, you know, he's creating something that exemplifies uh, this, this moment. So I'll give you another example of the importance of these objects and these symbols. I went to this, uh, this speech by a music producer a long time ago in Chicago, and he said, one of the most important things you can do 
with any business, with any product, particularly music, is to sell a piece of the moment. It's not the music. The song will be with them forever. But think about this, the importance of merch and strange bits of merch. He said that they once had a big backdrop. And at the end of the show, he folded it up and they cut it into a bunch of pieces that were small squares. And then they signed them and sold them off. He said, you know why it's so important? People will remember your song. They'll listen to it, right? But what you really want to inspire them to do is to remember the moment, to have an emotional connection to you and the joy you brought them. So when people open that drawer and they see that little piece of cloth, that's a physical object that when they touch, they remember everything about that day. It, it re- the smell, the scent, everything, they feel it. Whether or not Trump and his campaign realizes it, selling these, these objects are like physical memes, like it's a meme you can own. The Trump signifies so much more than just something to drink out of. I'm sure many people own them and don't actually even use them. Like just put, put a pack and up, on the, uh, you know, up on the curio cabinet or something so you can remember how funny it was. And then every time they walk past that straw, they remember everything about the straw that they found funny. And it exemplifies this idea that you have you know, the climate change crisis, you have paper straws that fail, you have all the jokes, all the memes, everything you remember from that moment. Not only that, looking into the Sharpie, when you look at that Sharpie, it's not just a marker that's funny. You remember everything about the media, everything Trump said, and Trump can command that memory. That's why these objects are so important. I got to say, whether they realize it or not, they've stumbled upon a great gold mine and nostalgia mine. That's brilliant. They're trolling the media. They're trolling the resistance. They're making money off of it. They're giving their supporters a laugh, and they're giving supporters a piece to remember this by. And so think about this. Come 2020, someone's going to be sitting on their lounge chair, and they're going to be like, oh, yeah, the election's coming up. I wonder, you know, who's going to win. And they're going to look up, and they're going to see that Sharpie, and they're going to start busting out laughing at how silly and absurd it was. And they're going to be like, I better, I better get out there and vote. I'm not saying it's going to be a million people, but I, I'm, I'm willing to bet there are going to be a few people who might not care or know about the election. They might be like, oh, whatever. It was a silly joke. But when they look at that thing and they start laughing and thinking about, you know, the, the, how good they felt when they did this, they're going to be like, I'm going to go and support this guy. These objects are really important. It's why we keep them in the first place. And it's particularly why I keep all the things behind me. So I'll leave it there because I do, I do try to keep these segments shorter. But let me just end by saying Trump has, has he, he's tapped into positive emotions for his support base. That if you, are, if you are strong enough to take a joke, you're having a good time. I am not somebody who's a big fan of the president in terms of his policy and his behavior on a lot of issues. There's a report going out now that he walked up to Sisi and said, like, where's my favorite dictator or something and shocked everybody. I think he's, he, 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 there's a lot to criticize him for. But I also laugh when he tells a joke that's funny. You don't have to like somebody. You don't have to like their policies and you don't have to like the person. At the end of the day, people are going to like the president for many reasons, one of which is that he's pushing back on the humorless cult-like left. Not all of the left, just the weird, crazy ones. He is pushing back on the whole left, don't get me wrong. But a lot of people vote for him just because he makes the joke, and it makes them so angry. That's another thing these objects do. When you laugh, these people say, at least I can laugh with the president. Stick around. Next segment will be coming up in just a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. We are now at the era, we are in the time where Snopes will tell you something isn't true, but that it does allude to a deeper truth. And it's funny, I saw this story because of a post from uh, one of the guys from Babylon B, or like the dude, where he's, they, they made a fake story that's, where Snopes said factually untrue, but morally right, which is a, like an allusion to um, 
Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's statement, that people are more concerned about being totally, semantically, factually correct instead of morally right. Like, wait, what is that supposed to mean? If I said it was like better that gravity didn't exist because it was fair for everybody, that's not real. You can't just say that. It's almost like this is a big piece of the mentality that persists on the left in so many different forms. Think about the root idea. Something may be true, but not morally right, and something may be false, but morally right. Case in point, men competing against women in sports, or I'm sorry, let me correct that. Biological males competing against biological females in sports. It is a fact, scientifically. Men have more muscle mass, tend to be taller, denser bones, bigger joints. All of these things confer advantages. It doesn't guarantee victory, but it will create a tendency for men, biological males, to beat women. We then hear that it may be more factually true, but it is morally wrong. Now, they don't overtly say that, but that's the case. In this story from Snopes, you gotta love it. They say, did Colonel Sanders steal the KFC original recipe from a black woman named Miss Childress? The short answer is no. There's no evidence to support this idea. An intriguing rumor about cultural theft and fried chicken lacks concrete evidence, but alludes to a deeper truth. Now, hold on. I know a lot of people have been criticizing this because you simply need only say Snopes, it's unproven. And they try to get into the social justice narrative of it. But it is a fact, and it must be stated, that there are many things about American culture that are rooted in other cultures that we don't acknowledge. I think that's fair to point out. I don't think you need to bludgeon people over the head with it and make, you know, claims about racism or bigotry simply because a dominant culture absorbed aspects of a smaller culture. I mean, look at the English language, for instance. It's, it's, it's a, taken in a ton of words that don't, you know, aren't origin, uh, don't originate with, you know, the Germanic print. Where, where, I don't know the, the root of English, okay? I'm not a linguist. I'm just saying we use words from other languages, as do other. Like, are we going to get mad that Japan says the word computer? No. Sometimes cultures absorb pieces of other cultures, and we don't ask where the word comes from. When a Japanese person says aisu kurimu, when they're saying ice cream, we don't, at, like, we don't say, aha, but you took that word from us. No, it's just, it's just something that's used. So the question here is whether or not Colonel Sanders of KFC stole his recipe. And what they basically say is, while we can't prove that he did, there's no evidence, we know that a white Southern, you know, Southerner would never cook food on his own because he had servants for him and that this happened all the time and we must address the issue. And it's like, hold on, man. Okay. We're trying, you're, you're accusing KFC of stealing a chicken recipe from a black woman with no evidence. And then it's all you need to say. There's no evidence. Okay. We can acknowledge historical racism and all these things. And, 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 and sure, be fair and honest about history. But this is the problem with, in, at least in my opinion, the social justice left. It's like you're, everything you do is wrong. No matter what you do is wrong. No one's allowed to share recipes. And let's just put it this way. Did he steal a recipe? Let's say he did. Let's say Colonel Sanders tried some chicken and it was a black woman who made it. And then he was like, wow, I want to make this. And she went, you go for it. Or she said, no, don't do it. And then he did. I mean, are we really going to get mad? Here's, here's a point I want to make. We'll read the story, but I want to make this point. Um, actually, let's do this. Because I'm, I'm about to get controversial and I'm going to get a ton of people super angry at me, go to timcast.com slash donate if you would like to support my work. There's a PayPal option, a crypto option, a physical address, but the best thing you can do is share this video because I'm about to make a very offensive point to the left. Okay, I hope you're ready for this. Let's say that Colonel Sanders stole the recipe from this black woman. I ask, did she make the recipe herself? 
if we're going to question whether or not someone like Colonel Sanders actually created the recipe and, and wonder where he got it from, why wouldn't we do the same for the next person down the line? I hear often that Americans, you know, that white people culturally appropriated rock and roll music. And that's true to, a, to an extent. I think cultural appropriation is a stupid concept because people take what they like of other cultures and they adapt them and they change them. So you have this very famous uh, rock star. I, I can't remember the guy's name. The, 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 uh, the guy who started rock and roll. My understanding, it was, it was a black man. And then you have all the, all the great blues musicians. The, the, the black community in the United States have created a ton of amazing and beautiful art for which we are extremely grateful for and have adapted. I wouldn't say appropriate. We've adapted and, and utilized and then, you know, cherished in. There's been a lot of really cool cultural things created by the black community in the United States. And, and dare I say it, a good portion or not the majority of pop culture. Now you can point out that there are white people running the businesses profiting off of it, but that's to act like many of these musicians weren't successful and, and wealthy in their own right. Some people did, you know, lose out. Racism is a real thing. You know, we, we, we point that out. But I want to point something else out. Why do we just start there? If we're going to claim that, you know, white Americans appropriated rock and roll, why don't we talk about the instruments being used by the rock and roll musicians in the first place? The guitar, stringed instruments, say a lute, for instance, a violin, a cello, a bass. It's not like this stuff was created in a vacuum by one person and then all of a sudden everyone stole it. Everyone partakes in everyone else's culture. So I, I, we're getting off into a cultural uh, uh, appropriation thing. Let's read this story. I just want to highlight the key points. They say, first of all, it's unproven. And then they ask for money. No. Snopes, I will, I will never give you money because you can't even do a simple Google search on half the stories you read. They say, in September 2019, we received multiple inquiries from readers regarding an old story about the origins of the famous KFC original recipe, the blend of herbs and spices, spices that went into creating Colonel Harlan Sanders' original KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken. I think it's called Kitchen Fresh Chicken now or something. The African Diaspora Facebook page wrote, meet Miss Mrs. Childress. Colonel Sanders stole her famous fried chicken recipe from a black woman named Mrs. Childress. He later paid her $1,200 for her recipe. KFC is worth $15 billion today. The text was accompanied by the following image. Okay, they're trying to imply that this picture here is of the woman who actually created the recipe. The only problem, it's actually an image of a shortening company. They took a random image of a black woman and then tried to claim that Colonel Sanders stole this person's recipe. Sorry. Now, Snopes wants to say this is a, a racist uh, a caricature of a black person. And I'm not here to argue. I'm, I'm not an expert on that stuff. So, you know, by all means, present that. I think it's fair. I'll hear you. I'll listen, I'll, I'll listen to it. I think it's fair to point out there are a lot of racist things that we've done away with and we can continue to do away with and we have to be conscious of these things. But to, but to go into an old magazine, take this image, lower the resolution so you can't tell what it is, and then lie about what happens so you can get 2,000 shares on Facebook is wrong. And this is the problem. They're creating fake racism. Dude, talk about real racism, okay? It still exists. Why don't we actually talk about real racism? And more importantly, as we expand civil rights for more people in this country and, and, and do away with a lot of these dirty practices, why don't we focus on other parts of the world in terms of, you know, our, our cultural development? Right now, I think recently there was a woman who immolated herself in Iran over, I think it was because she didn't want to wear a hijab or something to that effect. There are a lot of countries that don't have similar civil liberties and civil rights. Let's not be angry about, like, why are you making up this fake stuff? 
Look, then someone crops the image and does the same thing. 12,000 shares. Why? It fits their narrative. The evil white man stole the recipe. Okay, I'll tell you what. I once went to a, a football party, Super Bowl party, and they had a dip that was so good. It was this amazing, like, five-layer cheese and chili bean with spices and taco seasonings. And guess what? I was able to deconstruct what the dip was made of and then go and make it. Ah, ah, egad, Tim Pool has stolen a dip recipe from some random 30-year-old white dude named Jared or something. I'm being somewhat facetious. I've never actually made that guy's dip, but I could tell what it was. If Colonel Sanders tried chicken and said, hey, you put some nutmeg on this. That's pretty good. I'm going to do that. Is he stealing a recipe? Are they trying to imply that he literally took a piece of paper with a recipe on it and then ran away and stuffed it in his shirt? The other issue is they claim he paid her. Now I'm curious as to what that even means. They paid her $1,200 for her recipe. Are you saying that he stole it and then paid for it or that he bought it or settled? Here's the thing, man. I personally don't like the idea of seeing someone with a really good idea and then snatching it away from them and then paying a settlement. You know, I don't like the idea of taking someone's hard work and then, you know, taking it, but, you know, doing better business and making a lot of money. But I understand that's not ethically, you know, it's not unethical. It's not morally wrong. Would this woman, look, the story's unproven for sure. They go on to talk about, you know, the cultural appropriation and how, you know, white people have been historically stealing from black people and all that stuff. But the question is, even if he didn't take her recipe, would he not have done anything? Would he not have done chicken at all? And would she have started KFC? So here's the point. I'll I'll end with this point. Again, I I do try to keep these short. They say KFC is worth $15 billion today for a lot of reasons, very little of which has to do with the original recipe. They don't use the original recipe anymore. That's my understanding. Would she have started KFC? I think the better question is, could she have? And if the answer is no, well, then we, have, then, then we have a problem we can address. And that's something I think we have addressed. I don't know what the proposed solution is. There's no one to just give, you know, the, the KFC stock to. It wouldn't make sense. I think ultimately the point is people like to take things that aren't true, change them to win brownie points. This is like a 200-year-old, okay, it's like a 140-year-old hate crime hoax. This is an advertisement for shortening. Yes, racism existed. Yes, we want to do away with it. But you're not helping by lying. Okay, whatever. I'll leave it there. Stick around. I got one more segment coming up in a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. I know there are a decent amount of young people who watch these videos, but most people who watch this video are around my age, between, um, what is it, like 24 and 35, I think, is like the most people who watch. So there are a lot of young people who are being challenged by the system and told what they should or shouldn't do. And let me just assure you, the worst thing you can do is try and tell the kids they're becoming Nazis because they're making jokes. How do people not get this? The past generation rebels against, you know, the the new generation rebels against the past. If you're a teacher and you're sitting there with your, you know, little professional clothes and your glasses and you're going, now listen here, Kent's. I don't want you putting that Nazi propaganda in my classroom. What do you think the kids are going to say? They're going to roll their eyes and go, oh my God, PewDiePie's not a Nazi. You're so dumb. Teacher is so dumb. She doesn't even do anything. She just sits there and talks about PewDiePie and like Nazis all day. And then they do the okay sign and then they do memes. Why? Because that's counterculture. It's really funny. Paul, Paul Joseph Watson has repeatedly said that conservatism is the new counterculture. And like, I understand why he's saying that. But what's really happening is that 
Mainstream press and pop culture is lame. Why would you want to be like the stocky old loser who's mad about everything all day? You come home and you were laughing with your friends and your friend told you a joke. And then your mom's like, what did you just say? You go to your room this instant. No internet for a week. And then you're all angry. Like mom is so dumb. And then you go to school and they're like, the children, they're sharing Nazi propaganda. Let's read the story. From Vice, how teachers are fighting the white nationalist brainwashing uh, their students. Oh, geez. Oh, man. Welcome to uh, to 2019. This will get worse before it gets better. Mm, It will it. It used to be much easier to spot a budding Nazi in the classroom. Really? Or what world do these people live in? I feel bad for these kids, man. These kids are like, I want to go home and I want to play Fortnite. (gasps) But PewDiePie plays Fortnite. Okay, I'll play Minecraft. Minecraft. That's the game the Nazi plays. What do you, what do they, and there's a story where they're claiming Nazis are recruiting kids through video games. What parallel paranoid universe do you live in? Today it's more complex. Flanagan and other teachers say that white nationalism, anti-Semitism, and misogyny are creeping into their classrooms, often coded in ironic memes and symbols unfamiliar to most adults. Oh, my stars and garters, it is a neo-Nazi conspiracy. The kids are all Nazis. Man, I remember when, you know, the past generation ragged. I remember when boomers were ragging on Gen X. And now, you know, I don't know what Gen X is doing. I know millennials are offended by everything. Flanagan says she sees extremist messaging more often and more openly than she used to. But it's so much more subtle now. And there are so many more things to watch and listen for. For example, teachers describe students flashing the OK sign in class. Maybe they're just saying OK, you crazy, crazy people, which has been co-opted by online white supremacists. Oh, man. It's like, I feel like I'm reading The Onion, you know? It's like, the onion is real life now. Let's say there's a kid sitting across the room and then one kid says something like, yo, let's go play Minecraft later. And the kid flashes like, okay, gives him the okay sign. And the teacher's going like, oh no, it's the Nazi sign. Oh, my kids. Others recalled their students changing their computer backgrounds to images of PewDiePie. They've done it. They've done it. Uh, uh, I was joking. I, I didn't think they would actually go there. A popular YouTuber who's been accused of trafficking in racism and anti-Semitism. That's it. They're literally saying because the kids are fans of PewDiePie, that's proof they're being brainwashed by Nazis. It's the end. It's the end days. I think it's time to build a bunker and start prepping and buying beans. Just an endless supply of beans and then freeze them or whatever you got to do to make sure they last forever. Because when they literally start believing their own crap, well, we're doomed. See, what happens is somebody lies for political points. Somebody else sees the lie and thinks it's true, then regurgitates the lie to someone else. And it goes back to the original liar who then says, I thought that was a lie I made up. Oh, it's real. And now they're actually saying because kids in school put PewDiePie as their background, that's proof they're being brainwashed by white supremacists. I just want to like flip my table over and just get up and walk out and you'll never see me again. But you know what? It's still kind of funny, if not sad a little bit. Additionally, a slew of recently formed white nationalist groups cultivate a preppy aesthetic to blend into the mainstream. It's right-wing conspiracy theory, says Flanagan. It's subtle code speak 
It's the symbols they use in their avatars in our online learning platforms. It's the links they associate with in their bios. Maybe it's you being a delusional, paranoid schizophrenic who's freaking out because some kids watch a dude on YouTube who happens to be the biggest individual YouTuber. Is that not at all surprising to you? The dude plays Minecraft where he has like a cow or something. I don't even know what PewDiePie's doing. Apparently he has a pet cow. Maybe I'm getting it wrong. What is it? with Sven or something? Dude, I don't know anything about PewDiePie. All I know is kids think it's funny. And if you go and tell the kids they're Nazis because they're laughing about a Minecraft animal, they're going to think you're insane, completely insane. And then when you come out and say something else, it's like, look both ways before you cross the street. They're going to go, you're nuts. I'm I'm not taking your advice. So as classes have resumed across the country, teachers are coming to school armed with, quote, confronting white nationalism in schools toolkit. This is insane. Wow. I gotta say, wow, I, I, I thought this was a joke. I can't believe this is a real thing. Do you guys believe this? They actually have, what does this link go to? West, what, let's open this website. What is this? What, what is now available confronting white nationalists in schools toolkit from who? Westernstatecenter.org. You have lost your mind, everyone. You have lost your mind. Oh my, wow. You know what's even crazier? Take this out. They talk about, um, where should I find it? They talk about how, like, to de-radicalize kids, they read about refugees and people. Here we go. Our teachers say they're using contemporary literature written from the perspectives of teen refugees or people of color to fight extremism through instilling empathy in the students. Okay. Okay. (laughs) You're not doing what you think you're doing, man. Kids go out and get drunk and smoke and bang each other. And you're the authority figure slapping the rule on the table being like, kids, stop it. Stop saying okay and watching PewDiePie. And the kids are going to be like, ha, I do what I want. I challenge the system. You are creating the problem you think you're fighting. But recognizing subtle expressions of white nationalism isn't the only challenge. They're also having to figure out when a student is being subversive just for the lulls versus when they're exhibiting symptoms of being radicalized or being violent. If you're a young person who watches my video, (laughs) I'm sorry. I feel so bad for you. You know what I'm going to do later? I'm going to go ride on my skateboard. I'm going to go buy a tube of cookie dough from the store, and I'm going to get a thing of whipped cream, and I'm going to ride around just whipped cream while eating cookie dough. You know why? Because I can do whatever I want as an adult, and nobody can tell me otherwise. So if somebody wants to come to me and say, you you better not make the okay sign, kids, I'd be like, I'm going to do whatever I want. Isn't this insane? Here we go. For example, a group of nine middle schoolers in Ojai, California formed a human swastika on school grounds. (laughs) I think the kids are Nazis. The kids are trolling you, dude. They're trying to make you mad on purpose. Most of the junior class at a high school in Wisconsin did Nazi salutes. What do you not understand? You know what I think's happening? There's an army of alien robots trying to take over our society, and regular people who make jokes and try to be provocative for fun are pushing back. Now, obviously, I'm kidding, but doesn't it feel that way sometimes? And these people are like, why would the child draw a swastika on the ground of the school? I don't know, to piss you off? Because they're kids? Because kids do dumb things? What, 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 look, man, when I was a teenager, the kids, like, would, would I, I didn't go to high school, by the way. I went for a couple months. But the kids would ditch school and then bring, like, Jack Daniels and get drunk. They would go smoke <gasps> marijuana. Oh no, but that was an illegal drug. And we had D.A.R.E., you know, the D.A.R.E. program. Apparently that only made more kids do drugs. 
if you want to fight this stuff, to calling kids Nazis for liking PewDiePie is the opposite of what you should be doing. If you want kids not to do it, start doing it yourself. Show up wearing a PewDiePie t-shirt and then put PewDiePie everywhere and the kids will be like, nah, man, I don't want to. That's weird. That's what like, you know, Mr. Smith does every day. What you know you do? If you're a teacher and you're and you don't like the kids watching PewDiePie, put put a put a PewDiePie poster on the wall with the Brofist and when they walk and go Brofist everybody, PewDiePie, that's right. And they'll think you're a, you're a loser, they'll be like, "What a weirdo trying to be cool." But guess what? They're not going to want to act like you. So then they're going to be like, "Nah, I don't know, but PewDiePie, I'm not going to do that, right?" Instead, what do they do? They shriek and they give the kids what they want to hear. They tell the kids, "You are challenging the system. You are challenging authority." Let me make a point. Last point. A lot of kids feel like they don't have control. Your parents tell you what you have to do. Your teacher tells you what you have to do. And you do things you don't want to do all day. But what are you allowed to do? You're, what, what, what do you have control over? You have control over the internet, the things you read on the, on the internet to an extent, over what you watch, over the video games you play. In your personal time, you have control over the things beneath you. So when you're growing up, and you have a teacher berating you and insulting you, and you have your parents telling you to just shut up and pass the class and, and do everything, you want something you can control. The teachers can get mad at you for making the okay sign. They can get mad at you for watching PewDiePie, but they can't stop you from doing it. They can tell you to do your homework. Your parents can yell at you, and then you can watch PewDiePie, and they can't take that away. I can't believe we're actually at a point where they're literally saying the kids are changing the backgrounds of their computers to images of PewDiePie. Heavens. The worst thing I imagine that they could possibly do. Yeah, when I was younger, kids were doing heroin, but you know, sure, whatever, images of PewDiePie. Stick around. Next segment will be tomorrow at 10 a.m., podcast at 6.30 p.m. I will see you all next time.